Happy Easter one more time. We are so glad that you are with us. And I just need to tell you one more time. I've already said it once. The video said it. We've sung about it all day. The tomb is empty today. Come on, somebody. The tomb is empty today, and I am so excited that you're here to celebrate Easter with us today. Do we have any fans of Easter? Like, you guys are just big-time fans of Easter. This is your holiday. I'm learning through each experience. There are fewer and fewer people that just like, this is my holiday, right? How many? Christmas? Christmas? All, okay, all right, that's where it's at, Christmas. Thanksgiving? Anybody with me? Because the food? Food, right? Thanksgiving and food, right there. All right, man, I, I do love Easter. I love holidays in general, but I do love Easter. I think Easter is great. Easter is the bright holiday. That's part of why I like it, right? I know Christmas, right, you got the lights, but the Easter, you got the pastels. You know what I'm saying? Easter is where you go buy the outfit that you're going to wear one time. Some of y'all at home went and bought your Easter outfit, and you're like, yep, not going today, so it's going to stay in my closet. You wear your Easter outfit at home or uh, uh, to church one time and you hang it up, right? I, I do like Easter. I like, there is something that confuses me about Easter though, right? And it's this, it's, it's, it's Easter eggs and bunnies. Who decided to put those two together? Because I don't know how much science you know. My brother's a scientist. Um, um, I, I need to break this to you in a gentle way. Uh, bunnies don't lay eggs. <laughs> So I don't, I don't un quite understand. Now, I'm okay with, with stuffed Easter eggs, right, with candy. I like candy, and I like Reese's peanut butter eggs. Anybody with me there? Perfect. Oh, come on. Some of y'all like, I ain't said a word in church in six years, but right now, praise God, I feel him in this place. It's the perfect combination of chocolate and peanut butter. It is, I wish they'd sell them all year round. We celebrate Easter all the time. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. I, I really like Easter. Easter's a lot of fun. And, and I know after this service, you're going to go home, and a lot of you are going to spend some time with family. You're going to have lunch with your family. You're going to have Easter egg hunts with your kids and, and, and things like that. I know that's what we're going to do at my house. My family and my wife's family are all coming together. We're going to eat, and um, we're going to go with the traditional lunch of uh, pizza. Pizza. That's, it's going to be good, and we're going to hunt eggs. It's going to be a great time. But I love, I love celebrating Easter at church. And I know you're like, well, of course you do. You're a pastor. Um, no, I love celebrating Easter at church because not only is Easter a celebration of a spiritual holiday, but it's, man, it's the culmination. It is the coming together of Scripture, like 66 books of Scripture, all woven together in one day, coming together through the resurrection of Jesus. And I know some of you are like, I don't believe in the spiritual side. Man, there's historical and archaeological evidence that it took place as well. It's this moment to, where we get to come together and we celebrate an event that seems far-fetched in our heads, but it is the hope of the world it is the greatest event, it is the greatest miracle that ever took place in the history of the universe, and we get to come together, and we get to celebrate it. And I love the fact that Easter is really the Bible, the thread of the Bible. There's a common thread throughout from Genesis to Revelation of God wanting to embrace his kids, God wanting to embrace his children, God wanting to embrace you and embrace me, and we get on Easter, we get to see how that takes place. Throughout the Bible, there's really, I'm going to put it this way, I like to simplify things. We got movie fans in the room, anybody? Hands up, all right. If it's not Dumb and Dumber, I probably have not seen it, right? A lot of you are like, that explains a lot. 
I understand you a lot more now. I, I'm not a big movie guy, but I, I like to simplify things. And in movies, you have main characters, right? You have main characters throughout the movies. And in the Bible, there's really four main characters. We'll simplify it to two in just a minute, and I'll explain that. But there's really four main characters. There's God the Father, right? There's God the Son, and then there's God the Holy Spirit, the first three main characters. We're going to simplify that down to one and just call it God because they're, they're, that's considered the Trinity under the umbrella of God. And so we're just going to say it's God. So there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then there's this, this other main character in the, in, throughout the pages of the Bible, throughout the stories of Scripture, throughout the teaching of, of theology. There's this other main character that just comes along and just like messes everything up. You know, the greatest movies have great villains, right? And they have people that come in and just mess things up. And in, this, in, this, uh, in the story of Scripture, there's this other main character that always comes along and messes things up, just does stupid things, and just like messes up stories like crazy. And that other main character is called Mankind. Come on. That other main character is called Mankind. And I, like, I, you guys are like, you just call me stupid. And you told me I mess everything up. No, 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 no. We're in this together. We're in this together. And, and I, I'm not that guy that sits around and thinks like that all humankind is like bad. I don't think we're all bad. In fact, I think there's a lot of really, really good people in the world. I just do. But what the scripture teaches me is in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it teaches me that all fall short of the glory of God. So let's talk about one of those main characters in, in man, mankind, humankind. All fall short of the glory of God. We all get it wrong. We all mess it up. None of us have got it right. I know you're sitting back, right? And if you're anything like me, you look over the past of 2020 and you're like, dude, 2020 was a wreck. It was a mess. It was crazy. Nobody in January was like, we're going to go through a global pandemic this year and it's going to be great. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody knew what to do. We reacted the best we knew to react and survived the best we knew to survive. And nobody knew political tensions were going to take place the way they did. Nobody knew there was going to be racial tensions and all this stuff that took place the way that it did. And here's the reality. Like, we can look at that and we can go, what is going on in our world today? No matter where, what side of the spectrum you're on, no matter where you're at on this thing, you've had this conversation through text where you're like, dude, we are messed up. What is happening in our world? What is going on? And it's a reminder that all fall short of the glory of God. We all get it wrong. And throughout mankind and throughout scripture and throughout history, what you see is this box right here. We work our hardest to do the best we can to build this box up, don't we? We try to get it right. We try to do it right all the time. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I know there's nothing wrong with that. But what we do is we'll climb up on this box. And we're like, mankind, humankind, right? If I read enough leadership books, if I, if I worship enough, hey, listen, can we give it up for Radiate Worship real quick? Like they just, my goodness. Man, from because he lives to rattle, I had goosebumps the whole time. Like all four services, I've literally had goosebumps the whole time. It's been amazing. But we go, all right, if I lift my hands enough, or if I do this enough, or if I make this salary, if I get this truck, and I get this boat, or if I do this and I do that, and we, li we, we, we live to 
build on the platform of mankind. Because if I get up high enough, maybe, just maybe, if I achieve up here high enough, and I get up here high enough, if, you know, maybe you don't deal with this, but I know middle schoolers and high schoolers in the room do. If I post this picture and get this amount of likes, then maybe I'll be high enough to fill the void that I feel deep down inside whenever I'm at home and nobody's around. And here's the thing. How many of you know that the higher you go, the further you fall? And so we want to go, how do we keep messing it up over and over? How does history keep repeating itself? It's because no matter how high we climb in life, we can never climb high enough to connect us to God. Never Climb high enough. We'll never get to that place to where we're high enough to where we're connected with, with God. We, we can try, and I think we should try to get better. I think we should try to better our position at work and our salaries at work and take better care of our stuff and even get nice stuff. Like, I'm not the guy that's going to tell you any of that's wrong because I don't think it is. But there's, a, there's something to be said when I do it on my own and I build this platform up high enough that I got all these things. What happens is I now become my own God. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. And why do we keep messing it up? Because when we build it on us, we forget that all fall short of the glory of God. It can't be built on us. Your back is not strong enough to carry what you're trying to build. And so we, we build this thing up and we go high and we try to do the best we can, but we're still... We're still disconnected, and we still have this gap from the other, from the other, the other box, the other main character of God. Like there's this, you know, over here we got mankind. It's like, oh, we all fall short of the glory of God. And then over here, First John one five teaches us. It says this about God. Watch this. There is no darkness in Him. In other words, there can be nothing but goodness and light. God is holy. God is good. God is set apart. God is up here. God is the creator of the universe. I'm talking about the God that in the very first verse of the entire Bible, it talks about this God. This God looked at a void on the earth and began to speak things and they were created. There's no other religion in the world that their God is alive today. But I'm here to tell you ours is. Jesus is alive. I'm talking about the God that when the Israelites were pulled out of slavery with the Egyptians and they were stuck between the Egyptians trying to kill them and a river, God split the water so that they could cross over on dry land. I, I, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the God, the God, the one God that empowered Jesus enough to, to heal lame people, to heal blind people. I'm talking about the God that empowered Jesus to raise up from the grave. I'm talking about that God. So you've got, you've got a God that is omniscient and om, omnipresent and all-powerful. And he's, he's holy and blameless and set apart, right? There's no darkness in him. And then you got man. Romans 3.23, all fall short of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? There is no darkness in him. That's the glory of God. And so there's this gap, and throughout Scripture, God wants to fill the gap. 
God wants to embrace humanity in its terminal illness of sin. God wants to embrace humanity in its shortcoming. God wants to come from here to here and humanity to come from here to here. And it's this relationship, but we can't because there's a gap. And so in the gap, we begin to read through scripture as Jesus works. There's this thing called, uh, as God works, Jesus comes along and a cross shows up. And Jesus comes along and this amazing story begins to take place where Jesus begins teaching what I like to call an upside down kingdom gospel. And here's what that means is in that day, the, 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 the kingdom and, the, and what was being taught in that day was all about serve me, pay me, take care of me, the highest of the high, take care of the royal priests, do it our way, do it this way. And Jesus came along and he said this, this threw people for a loop. He said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. In other words, Jesus was going, you ain't got to lift me up. Because my security isn't in your Instagram likes. It's in my Father God. Or fill in the blank. My security's not in that. Whatever. And so Jesus comes along and he starts teaching this gospel that honestly just ticks people off. It makes them mad. It gets them fired up. It gets them angry. So they start coming after Jesus. And what happens is, is they have the Passover, which would have been this past Thursday night called the Last Supper. And, and the disciples and Jesus are sharing the communion together, like, like, much like we did on a digital experience on Friday night. And we do all that, right? And he's, he's serving. He's washing the feet of the man that was about to betray him, and he already knew he was going to. He's washing his feet. How do we treat our enemies? That's the stuff Jesus taught that fired people up, right? So Jesus comes along and he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane and Judas comes and he, and he betrays Jesus. He shows him where he's at, kisses him on the cheek and they take him into captivity and into custody and they arrest Jesus right there on the spot for 30, just 30 pieces of silver. Jesus goes into captivity and a few days later, or a day or two later, um, he goes before trial. He's in the crowd, and the governors and the leadership are right there in the trial, and they're asking the crowd. They're like, we have no evidence against him, but I'll tell you what we'll do. Since we have a mob on our hands, we'll let the crowd decide. Can I just tell you, sometimes the crowd don't know what's best. Sometimes you just got to listen to one voice, and that's his voice, and stop worrying about what the crowd says. So the governor steps up and he looks and he goes, I'm going to let the crowd decide. He said, I'll cut you a deal. He said, here's the deal. If you want to release Jesus, I'm going to keep this known, convicted criminal, this dangerous guy named Barabbas. I'm going to keep him in custody. I'm going to put him behind bars. He will have the death sentence. I'm going to keep him there. He's going to pay his, for his crimes that we know he committed. You know he committed. And the governor looks and he says, but if you want me to take Jesus into custody with no, he keeps saying it, no evidence to convict. If you want to take Jesus, then I'll release Barabbas back before you. Now keep in mind, Barabbas was a convicted criminal. He was dangerous to mankind. He hurt people. He killed people. It was bad. So the governor looks and says, what is your choice? What do you want? And the crowd begins to shout, Barabbas! Barabbas, give us Barabbas. 
And I can just see the leadership looking perplexed, man, just going, what is wrong with you? Give you Barabbas? The guy that we know is a convicted criminal? The guy that we know is going to steal from you and take from you and do all these things? The guy that deserves it, give you Barabbas? And they, yes, give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas. And they begin to point at Jesus. Crucify him, crucify him, kill him. In other words, they're saying, hang him on a torture device called a cross that you created, you Romans, to torture, humiliate, and kill people. Hang him on that. And so the governor has backed himself into a corner. He has no choice. So they release a convicted criminal, and Jesus now takes over his sentence and pays with his life for what Barabbas was supposed to pay for. It sounds an awful lot like me and you. He took and paid for what we couldn't pay for. Well, how did he do that? The Bible teaches us that when he hung on this cross, he didn't just suffer and die, but he suffered and died as our sins. He suffered and died as us. What is sin? Sin is literally described and, and defined as how far you miss the mark. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I like the, it's all if it was perfect. I miss them. And Jesus, I will get on this, and they will nail me to it, and they will shove a spear in my side with a crown of thorns on my head. They'll feed me vinegar, and they'll, they'll, they'll speed up my death. My blood will pool in the sand below and stain the cross that I'm on so that you don't have to pay the debt that you owe. In other words, I'll finish your sentence. And Jesus, as he's hanging on this cross and they're mocking him, he shouts this word before he takes his last breath. He says, Tetelestai! Tetelestai! And if you don't know what that word means, it's literally the phrase, it is finished. He didn't look down at the people that were mocking him and go, you're finished. You're finished. In fact, he looked down on the people that were mocking him and killing him. He looked at them and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He had forgiveness on his mind while they had death on theirs. It's crazy to think about. And as he says, it is finished, what is he talking about? What is it? It is our sin. It is our sentence. We get to serve this life and live this life today because he bore the cross. And so he, what happens is he dies on this cross and they take him to the grave. And what happens is the cross forgives the gap. And make no mistake about it, none of us in here today are going without a gap. We've got a gap. Because remember, we all fall short of the glory of God. There is a gap between God and us. But the cross forgives the gap. But I want to show you because the story isn't done. So there was Friday, he was in the tomb. Saturday was silent, as we talked about in Rattle. And then read Revelation chapter 1, verse 18 with me really quickly. It says, in the living one, Jesus is saying, in the living one, and I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. In other words, I ain't ever going anywhere. I'm not ever dying. And then he says this, I have the keys of death and of hell. Why? 
Why is that so important that he has the keys of death and of hell? Because it wasn't the cross. It wasn't just the cross. The cross forgave the gap. Watch this. Death is separation. Here's what he said. I hold the keys of the very thing that separated us in the gap. And so now he says the cross forgave the gap. But now I'm holding the keys to death of separation. I'm holding the keys to death and of hell. I'm a boss. I got this thing. And he says the cross forgave it. But the tomb, the resurrection, me coming back to life after three days, I bridged the gap from humanity to God from God to humanity. I'm bridging it. I'm making it available to you. I'm embracing you. He's literally saying, watch this. Because I hold the keys of death, I hold the keys of separation. And since I hold the keys and I'm alive forevermore, we're back to a place of connection. I have bridged the gap forevermore and you are now available to me and accessible to me. Here's why. Because you need to hear this. Some of you need to hear this. As he stands in the gap, as we stand in the gap on his resurrection on this Easter Sunday, you need to hear this. You matter. You matter. Tell somebody around you. Tell them they matter. Say, you matter. Tell them, you matter. Watch this. You matter so much. And I matter so much. God literally moved heaven and earth and raided hell so that you and I could have connection with God. We all fall short of the glory of God no matter how high we climb. We'll never get to a place to where we're connected until... We get to the place where we go, Jesus bridged the gap. And the story's still not over. This crazy event takes place to where a part of mankind named Mary shows up to the tomb. She's bringing spices. And she's kneeling at the tomb to bring spices. And when she shows up to do something ceremonial, she realizes Jesus isn't in the tomb anymore. She can't figure out what's going on, so she begins to weep and cry, thinking somebody stole his body. So she begins to talk to two men that she didn't realize were angels, but were angels. And they ask her, what are you upset about? She said, they moved him. They moved my Lord. And then she hears a voice behind her, and the voice says this, woman, what are you crying for? Men, don't try that at home. <laughs> the voice says, woman, what are you crying for? What are you weeping for? And she turns and she looks at a gardener. And she says, they took my Lord. They took his body. If you took him, if you moved him, tell me where he is so I can go to him. And here's what she realized. In that conversation, the gardener looks at her and says one word. It changes the rest of her life. He looks at her and he says, Mary. He just calls her by name after a conversation. And it says in that moment she turned and looked. And she repeated the word. She said, Rabboni, or teacher. In other words, let me, let me tell you what that translates to. She realized it wasn't a gardener. It was Jesus. She had just had a conversation with Jesus, but she wasn't ready for the fact that he was crossing over. 
and bridging the gap. And not only was he just a man in her life anymore, but now he knew her name in a way that he had never known her name before. Watch this. There's Luke 24. These two men, mankind again, they're walking their journey about a two and a half mile path. And as they're walking, they're talking about life. This is after his death, after his burial. They're talking about life. Two of the disciples trying to figure this thing called life out, right? I'm sure they were complaining. And a third man joins in on the journey and walks with them, talks with them. It's an interesting thing that takes place because later in the conversation, they realize it wasn't just another man, but it was Jesus. See, watch this. We matter so much to God that he decided It ain't enough to just forgive the gap. I want to bridge it. I want to bridge it. I want you with me now and forever. And because of that, I hold the keys. Jesus stands up and goes, I hold the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Because I want to be with you. See, the resurrection was about Jesus' embrace, God's embrace of you. And here's what I believe today. I've seen it in our three previous experiences. I believe I'm going to see it again today, right now. Is I believe there's some people that you've been building this box up. Nothing wrong with it, but you've been building it up by yourself. You've been trying to make it happen all by yourself. And you're doing a good job. And you're doing okay. But what you didn't realize was Jesus was walking with you the whole time anyway. <laughs> He's why how you got through that divorce. He's how you got through those financial troubles. He's how you got through that medical diagnosis. He's how you got through that, that miscarriage. He's how you got through those things. You didn't know it. But I just believe that today, during this message, you've seen how much you matter. And now he's not just walking with you, but he's calling you by name. And something's shifting a little bit to go, I don't need to build this box. I need to depend on this box. And everything over there will work out. And I just believe, I've seen it over the past 24 hours in great ways. People going, yeah, I just, I need Jesus. I didn't know I mattered that much. I never thought about it like that, that he moved heaven and earth to bridge the gap so that I could be with him. And I just need you to know today, you matter. You matter. In your mess, in your past, in your messy future, you still matter. And he still wants to bridge the gap with you. So it would be no greater privilege than for me to close this out in prayer with you today and just pray with those that say, I want to give him my life. Maybe it's a moment where you did that a long time ago, but you sure haven't carried the cross and you know that and you haven't even tried to live for him. It's just one of those get out of hell free prayers. But today he's called your name 
and it's changed something on the inside. Maybe you've never prayed that prayer. You don't even know what all that means. We want to walk it out with you. We say we do life together here. We want to walk with you on that. And I want to pray that with you. It's not a prayer that changes your life. Baptism isn't salvation. Prayer isn't salvation. It's a submission to Jesus that is. The prayer is symbolic of I acknowledge this and I want you. So if you would just bow your heads with me today because I believe there's some people that are going to pray that prayer and we're going to walk this out together. Is there anybody in the room that would say, you know what? I felt that. I didn't know I mattered that much. But he moved heaven and earth to be with me. And if he can do that, then I want to do whatever it takes to be with him. And I'll walk it out imperfectly. But I want to be with Jesus. I want to be with God. And I want to give him my life. Maybe for the first time. Or maybe a rededication today. But if that's you, would you join with several others that have already done it this Easter and just raise your hand right where you are and say, that's me. That's me. I want a relationship with him and I want to pray that prayer. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. What you're going to feel, keep your hand up. They're going to put a clipboard in your hand because we want to walk it out with you. We want to give you resources. We want to talk with you and pray with you. We want to do this together. We don't do this alone. Amen. Now, hold your hand up one more time. Now, we do this as a family here. And maybe you're online today and you want to pray that prayer. I encourage you, wherever you are, if you're listening to this during the week or you're watching live, pray with us right now. I'd love for you to join me all across this room and pray this together as one big family as we do life together right here. If you would just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made for me. I didn't know I mattered that much. I give you my past. I give you my present. And I give you my future. Thank you for welcoming me into the family of God today. God, we honor you and give you all that we have, and we honor you so much. Happy Easter, Jesus. Thank you for rising from the grave. Thank you for showing us how much we matter. Thank you for bridging the gap, God. We love you, and we give you all that we have. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, can we give it up for several that lifted their hands to give their life to Jesus today? We're so honored. Real quick, I'd love to show you something that God's doing amazing things here at Ready 8 Church about. If you'll give me about one more minute, I'd love to show you a quick one-minute video about what's coming up at Ready 8 Church in the new, starting next week in the near future. We love you guys, and I'll see you next week.